From Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity. Hello all, I'm Chris Pace, and as always, I'm joined by XGovType and Immersive Labs product guy, Paul Bentham. Hello, everybody. Pro blue teamer, Kev, don't call me Kevin Breen. Kevin. His dog, his dog, he's made he's a guest appearance dog, already. Yeah. We haven't even <laughs> got into the... Working from home. The first of these we've done remotely, and Kev's dog has already made an appearance. <laughs> and for the first time, I'm delighted to welcome former crack dark web detective and so- chief cyber sausage, don't call him an officer, Max Vetter. Uh, hi. Max, uh, so we've decided to let Max on these, um, and to maintain some jeopardy, he might never be he on it again. And I think we thought every week we might say this could be his last time, who knows? Uh, as always in these short podcasts, we aim to focus on the human side of cybersecurity with a bit of tech stuff thrown in, social engineering, hacker motivations, cyber crisis scenarios, all that kind of stuff. So this is the first of these podcasts that we have recorded during the lockdown. Lockdown. So it is safe to say that we all already hate Zoom. What are our general feelings about Zoom? (laughs) (laughs) I've got a lot of experience on it. So uh, who doesn't? I was question. wondering if Zoom were doing any kind of tracking of who are the users who've been on the most Zoom calls. They could like give that person um, an they amazing should, they should prize. Have a they like should have a leaderboard. Yeah, yeah, leaderboard. Like gamify that that stuff, right? I mean, obviously um, not because they're big privacy concerns, and Zoom is like very sincere about its privacy <laughs> issues. You won't yeah, find it. help himself. We're already into that. <laughs> Introduce the, pr- the premise or anything. <laughs> Let's talk about Zoom. Um, so yes, over the last few weeks, the plucky little video conferencing startup um, that has just become suddenly central to all of our lives uh, has come under a little bit of scrutiny. Safe to say it might have found itself in the crosshairs uh, of the security community a little bit. But is that fair? Um, what is all this criticism that's being leveled at Zoom? What's it all about? So I think we start with, so, I mean, everybody should be aware of what Zoom is. So Zoom video conferencing, it's free and commercial. And I think that's been its biggest appeal. I think that's why it's been picked up so so quickly, so rapidly. It's versatile, multi-platform, and it's free for home users. So you can just pick it up and use it. And it's kind of easy to use. What's happened in the last few weeks is that a couple of minor security vulnerabilities have been found um i mean don't get me wrong they are security vulnerabilities but like from my perspective they've been blown a little bit out of proportion um and then that caused the security community to start picking it up start taking a deeper dive into it and again there have been some not insignificant findings um and then we saw just everybody going, oh, my God, never use it. If you've got Zoom, you're killing the world. Well, my personal favorite was a Guardian headline that said, Zoom is malware, say security <laughs> expert. <laughs> it is malware. It means all you talking to me all the time. It's ridiculous. No, no. The reason that headline came around is because after the announcement was made, uh, and it was about a a local web service that runs that you could use to gain privilege escalation. Now you must already have like privileged access in order to do this, but Apple took the really 
um, and I, I think it's the first time they've ever done this, they actually entered Zoom, that specific file, into their anti-malware tool, distributed it to every Mac, and every Mac removed that update mechanism, therefore removing the vulnerability, but this classifying one it as malware. This is the one from 2019. That, no, no, that, no, this, no, this is recent. This is recent. Zoom deserve this then. I was going to go, I was all in favour of them, like people are bullying Zoom, but they, this happened last year. I've been using Zoom for years. It, they did it back in 2019. Yes, I like they're not the first. Uh, this isn't the first time. This right. isn't going to be the last they deserve time. It. But like Cisco WebEx, Cisco WebEx has like almost 200 CVEs, including remote 186. Coding. 186. There you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, what, what bit of software doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we all have them. <laughs> so, yes, Zoom does have some security issues. Are they the worst things to have ever happened in the world? I don't think so. Uh, sorry, you, you said uh, 186 CVEs in WebEx, including remote code execution. Do you want to explain why remote code execution is so bad? Can I say no? <laughs> no, you can't say no. You're, the rules are, I ask you questions and you answer them. That's how it goes. Um, so there's, a, there's two kinds of things. There's like local attacks, which is usually something like privilege escalation, and those are the things we saw in Zoom. In order to, for those attacks to be useful, an attacker must already have access to your laptop, to your desktop. Remote code execution um, takes that a step further, and they can do some of the same kind of attacks, except the, the clue's kind of in the name. One is local, they need to be on the box. The other one's remote, which means it's easier for attackers uh, to do that. They don't need as much user interaction. Therefore, more exploitable. Typically so, yes. So the suggestion here is actually that, um, so this is why I got so, I got hot under the collar about the Zoom is is malware. I'm not sure which security expert was <laughs> foolish enough to say that. I feel like I should probably go back through the article and tell you who exactly it was who said that, but I think it's a silly thing to say. Um, also, I'm bound to, the next question I'm bound to ask then is, uh, okay, so there were zero days and there was obviously this thing that affected the Mac app in in particular. Um, are, are, have any of those actually been exploited? Do we know there's malware in the world that's targeting Zoom? It uh, depends who you ask. Some people will say yes, and there's news reports of zero days being up for sale. What we're actually seeing isn't an attack against known vulnerabilities. What we're seeing is uh, attacks against poor configurations. Oh and yeah, because but then but then weren't there weren't there a load of things that you could configure in Zoom previously? It just wasn't obvious that you could configure them as security settings. And so now what that their way of patching in inverted commas is mm -hmm. to add a security button that allows you to tick those boxes. But all those settings were there before. Uh, most of them were there before. They're just bringing them to the forefront and putting them in people's like directly in their eye line. So things like adding passwords uh, and things of that nature. Um, great PR. And, That's great PR. Good work, Zoom. And this has led to something that uh, we're seeing called Zoom bombing or Zoom raiding. And what this is, is people are either accidentally or deliberately publishing their meeting IDs uh, and sometimes their passwords into things like Twitter and sharing. Uh, and then if they're public, anybody can jump into those rooms. Uh, there's a, a funny thing I saw on Twitter the other day where some kid in his, his maths class said it's kind of boring, so he published the Zoom ID and the password and asked everybody to jump in and liven <laughs> up the math class. <laughs> that one the, Zoom, the Zoom ID thing is the, um, is the same as the government um, 
the Cobra meeting. Isn't isn't that what they did? They took yeah. a screenshot saying, look, uh, Boris is running his cabinet meeting over Zoom. Uh, and in the top left-hand corner, you can see the meeting ID. I'd like to hope they have a password. Um, which would Yeah, they had a password. It was Cobra meeting one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Boris. <laughs> okay, I, I, think that, I, I knew that there was a no politics rule on that. I didn't think I'd have to make a no <laughs> politics rule because they're all grown ups, but no politics on the podcast. But, so, fun no aside, um, <laughs> fun aside, like the the kid asking people to bomb his math class is funny, but we've also seen people leaking things like Alcoholics Anonymous um, and like women only events and things of that nature as well. So, there is a darker side. Uh, to that kind of abuse as well. And it's not all like deliberately malicious. That's some people not realizing that if they share this meeting ID, it's a very public thing and anybody can just jump in. I, th- I think this this links to really the security of any uh, teleconferencing or video conferencing system. Uh, I remember from um, LOLSEC, uh, managed to hack into a police officer's um, email and he, or his personal email. They, they had forwarded uh, the meeting ID to his personal email, the police officer had. And then Lolsec came on and recorded the whole meeting between FBI and, and uh, the police, uh, the whole operation going on into Lolsec. They managed to record and put it online. And that was that was years ago before Zoom. So, so this, this kind of security vulnerabilities within any tele or, or video conferencing stuff has been around for a long time. Yeah, because it's treading such a fine balance between accessibility and so it's it's in a way it's the it's the, um, the kind of software that's treading the finest balance between those two things because let's say i don't use webex but i'm joining uh, a webex meeting with another company there has to be a reasonably yeah. easy way for me to get authenticated to join that meeting so i understand where the challenges come um but obviously it is a room you know in the in the in the virtual sense so it, we need to think about securing it in exactly the same way again and and even more so with video because obviously you can actually see into people's houses. So there's, I bet there's endless stuff about people writing down passwords or that, that something's on the wall or you know someone's diaries up on uh, and and I'm sure you've seen lots of uh, videos sent around of people who kind of forget they're on the video and they go to the toilet with with the laptop in there. Uh, or they forget that they're, they time. forget that they're sharing their screen. Yeah, and they go to their yeah. their personal <laughs> their personally favorite website. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is. This is nothing new to Zoom. Like Zoom is just the, they're the one under the spotlight at the minute. Uh, IoT webcams, IoT nanny cams, like these things have been doing exactly the same kind and arguably worse vulnerabilities. Um, It's just Mm. that Zoom is flavor of the week. And I think that's because of the situation we find ourselves in because it is so easy. It's ubiquitous across platforms that we're just seeing so many people using it that it's just, it's attack surface has increased. My wife had refused to have a um, internet connected uh, baby monitor. I thought it was a great idea because you could look at it on your phone. Um, and I said, I had initially, bad thing for me to admit, but I had initially <laughs> said, oh, I think you're being paranoid about it. I'm sure they, it can't be that vulnerable. Like, it's a baby monitor, for goodness sake. And then I went on to Showdown and I was like, yeah. okay, we're not going to have an yeah. internet connected baby monitor. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not going to become yeah. one of the thousands of vulnerable internet connected baby monitors. I think I think it's it is it really shows you know the whole CIA availability, you know since COVID hit everyone the most important thing is availability. Everyone's gone, so we need to get available working remotely as soon as possible. Mm. So obviously that's going to um, 
you know jeopardize the other parts of that of that triangle which you know availability is the most important thing so let's forget about security for now and then we find out that security is not so good on some of these things the other thing that doesn't help is uh and i hate i hate this term but it's so accurate it's fake news uh like as soon as like somebody said that there's this little thing with zoom and yes it's absolutely something that is a vulnerability and should absolutely be fixed but it was blown out of proportion not by so much the security community but by people at home saying oh my god you'll never believe this zoom is hacking me Oh, yeah. Uh, my mum said to me that their church were not going to use Zoom anymore to, to have their meetings because it was it was insecure. And someone had read about it. Probably, probably the Daily Mail. Um, <laughs> and so they decided that they, that they weren't going to use it. And I was like, OK, I think that is a little bit of an I think that's a bit of an overreaction. And but I, that overreaction gets shared across social media. And then when you've got. Uh, teachers and students who are trying to use this so they can continue with some semblance of life they're now scared to use this and they shouldn't be they shouldn't be scared they should be cautious they should set things up properly but they shouldn't be scared to use this technology i think that links quite nicely to the house party thing is i I got probably 10 texts off people in one week (laughs) saying i've just heard house party will hack me straight away i've just installed it what do i do and obviously the you know news comes out that they they put out a million dollars to anyone who can who can actually hack the the um the app so it doesn't seem like but that was all really weird that was such a weird that was so odd it was like well this app has become incredibly popular in quite a short space i mean to be honest friends were messaging me to ask me if house party was secure and i was replying (laughs) what's house party um (laughs) i was i I had to look it up all the kids are currently all the kids had started using it um and then they're asking is it is it secure or not um and and actually it turned out it was all well i mean house party have said it was a gigantic hoax so house party are actually um epic games so the same people who make Fortnite. so this isn't a small company uh they acquired house party like several months ago i think um so this isn't a small like startup that's do that's built this app it's a big company behind it so they're going to take like security and privacy a little bit more seriously than other people um and yeah so they offered a million dollars and it wasn't to uh it wasn't to see if they could be hacked the million dollars was actually we believe there's a smear campaign if you've got anything to do with this smear campaign come tell me who told you to do it and we'll give you the one million dollars so it's basically looking for that that insider mole uh, that whistleblower they're offering a million dollars to a whistleblower you know the other thing that this kind of brings into focus is the idea that you can get so much traction news coverage social sharing by implying that something is hackable especially when it comes to a thing that people are using for their personal life like who knows what is honestly who knows what is going on on house party of a weekend let's be honest um and once you create a an environment where there's a chance that it could be that it could be hacked or that you know data people are yeah people were going crazy about it yeah it was fascinating the one thing I will say about House Party, so like I said, I didn't know what it was. I had to like go grab a copy and have a look and see what it was all about. And whilst there's nothing to say that it could be hacked, its privacy settings were like really badly buried. Uh, it's very hard to tell whether you are still streaming or not. So you could background the application thinking you closed it and it was still <laughs> it was still streaming, and anybody can join a room. Yeah, yeah. it does. It does actually. That's what I. 
I did that to my friends when I joined house party. You can just join their room and it, their, their video pops open. And they're like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize I turned it on. And that is like the oh, default they don't, settings. They don't have to answer it or anything. It just turns no, 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 the default, the default settings just let you in. I think so, Zoom, so used, didn't away, Zoom used to do that, though. I think Zoom, that's how Zoom was originally set by default. And again, this is what Kev's saying. It's not to do with, it's not necessarily to do with the job that a thing does. It's to do with how it's configured. So if it's configured, yeah. for example, that Zoom is set up to automatically show your video when you log in, not have a password to, to protect, for people to be able to log in and change their names so that they can sort of melt into the background sometimes. Um, I, I think... Yeah, there are there are obviously concerns about configuration because not being considered. No one's thinking about that. They're thinking about how can mm. we how can we interact when we're you know a hundred miles apart. That's what we're thinking Trou- about. The not- trouble is with these tools is that they've gone from being used by people who use them all the time. Like Zoom, like I don't know what the usage figures have gone. They must must be through the roof, right? But people who were using Zoom were used to using Zoom. Zoom's got its own set of problems, but House Party. It must have been like the people who is designed for use playing around it then becomes this kind of central tool for us all to use and of course you go it's like digital transformation overnight that's what most businesses are, are having experiencing and, and none of the policy processes checks balances guidance you know, imagine if the whole world went started doing teleconferences like there was no security you put a pin code on a teleconference before like you could have just dialed into any of them but who would want to subject themselves to that i mean dear oh dear i mean the other thing the other thing is um of course that uh, zoom everything to do with zoom is now much bigger than it was a month ago um one of which being their share price I read a hilarious article about uh, there's another company called Zoom, Zoom Technologies. Uh, It's a Chinese company. I don't even know what it does. It's tiny, apparently. Um, But loads of investors were mistakenly investing in this Chinese technology company, Um, so much so that the SEC in America had to stop trading of this Chinese Zoom company um, because they were getting all this investment that people didn't really mean to didn't really mean to invest. The whole world's gone absolutely insane um okay i think we've i think we've covered i think we've covered zoom essentially it sounds to me like it was a bit of a storm in a security researcher's teacup um does anyone want to disagree does anyone want to tell me zoom is malware zoom's (laughs) definitely not malware zoom definitely has some vulnerabilities they should definitely be fixed you should definitely be careful but is it as bad as oh my god you've got to remove it from your device and never use it again I don't think so. No, and I think because we haven't seen that level of ex- we haven't seen a level of exploitability yet that would lead us to a place where we, you know, where we think it's any more risky than uh, Microsoft Word, for example, which is the most exploited, um, you know, bit of software that there is. Where I'm sure everyone's still using that every day. I um, think there's something. There's, there is something just before you move on, Chris. But there is something a little bit more. I think when you when you're doing something with audio and you're doing something with with video and you're doing it in homes i wonder if that's the thing that's really changing that like that that's the thing that maybe ticks it into mainstream like you it's it's like the baby monitor example you used before like if i put a webcam at work and somebody hacks it i'm kind of that's a bit annoying you put a webcam in my baby's room that's a whole different level Mm. and i think that zoom like the 
this isn't the first time. So, like there was the web server is malware problem back in 2019, where I was you know a Mac exploit, and you know Apple deleted it. Zoom had Zoom had pre warning here, and I know that they've put the whole product team onto security in the last few few weeks. But is there a, there's an issue here, which is like. I think overnight, their lack of investment or lack of focus, perhaps, in security, it, it can't have been their number one priority. It mm. is now, but it can't have been before, understandably. And it's now been invited into our homes. That's a different, that's leveled up. Yeah, the things that we, I suppose the argument might be, if I'm using uh, Microsoft Word and I decide uh, not to open a document with a macro in it because I know the risk that it presents... That's different to I'm now effectively being forced to use a tool. Like my mum's church is the perfect example. Mm. I'm forced to be to use a tool that I wouldn't normally use. That tool now is being used in my home. My face is on it and my mm. voice is on. Like I like I, I can see how the visceral reaction to mm. that is is such that it is um, and, and you can and, also see how it ends up in the mainstream and then but the mainstream media point, can amp it right yeah. yeah which they which of course they do but to your broader points more interesting um basically that whole the whole idea that zoom might consider the importance of security in their whole in the whole development of the the product it is potentially a more interesting question. We don't have enough information no, to really know, like how much investment were they making before this point? Is it another case of a vendor, you know, vendor gets hacked is wise after the event. Who knows? And, um, and the it'll last, hurt them. The last, last piece of that puzzle is, is just the fact that like, like you said, everyone is using it in their homes may have not used it before. Even, even if in your work context, has anyone had, Zoom, training on zoom and how to do it in a safe way from everything from so you can't show what's on your your you know on your wall behind you or whatever that you know that there's a whole side of the human element where uh is, is completely outside the technology that people ha there's no time for training or anything like that because you're all at home the day after you've been told to go go home but if you look at, if you even just look at it in our company, right? We consider ourselves a security company. We've been using Zoom for years. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was only recently when instead of it being a subsection of the company to the whole company that's using Zoom, we went, maybe we should review the security settings. Like, <laughs> maybe we should pay for the next tear up and get single sign on. Like, and, but that, yeah. that's another rant, by the way. Like, why is it that it's the premium packages that companies make us pay for to get security? Like, I have I, to pay I, for extra for Slack and Zoom to get freaking single sign-on. I don't think... I think security uh. fe security features should be as standard in freemium versions of products. There is no, Absolutely. There is not a justification. There is no... In, I mean, a, any company that's justifying a security feature being a being a thing you have to pay for that's a nonsense that's like saying i've bought a bmw but if i want one that locks i've got to get the, the top, <laughs> top of the range model that's absolute nonsense i don't even i don't actually i can't think of a single example where a, a car company to stretch that analogy where a car company would not give you all of the security features that you would that you would need um the expectation would not be that you have to that you have to spend more to get that i think it's nonsense Agreed. Uh, the nice thing about this is that so Zoom is a very useful tool. 
and this has drawn a lot of security attention to it. So more researchers are going to be taking a closer look at it. And the outcome of that is only going to be a more secure mm -hmm. product at the end of this. Yeah, I think so that's true. Zoom may not have done the best job themselves, but the security community is forcing them down this route, which I is never true. a bad thing. The only other thing that we haven't talked about with Zoom is their suspicious <laughs> Chinese routing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was, yeah. And whether it's actually end-to-end -end encryption as well. Oh, uh, I, I'd read an article that basically flat out said that it's not. It's... Well, it it's not. It? It's it's flat out not. Um, so Zoom is saying this was some confusion in their definition of end to end, which doesn't match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. End to end, yeah. apart from yeah. the man in the middle. Yeah. So what they're what they're saying is their end to end is from your end to their end, That's... not from my they end. They don't get to make the definition. That's an awful lot of ends. End. This yeah. is too many ends in a sentence for me. I don't want to know about anyone's end. So... <laughs> you look after your own end. So this one again, like th this was, there's there was some twisting on this which I didn't like, uh, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, so there's two parts to the um, the way. So crypt, uh, Zoom does encrypt communication, end to end aside, it does actually encrypt. Um, but what it does is it was requesting on occasion those keys from a server in China. So if you were Boris, who we apparently love. No, no, um, that was just a password to the COVID <laughs> meeting. We're apolitical in this podcast. Um, if you're Boris um, and you are uh, setting this up, uh, then it would be possible that your encryption key would be sent from a server in China. Um, China. A server in China. 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 <laughs> That's political um, as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know uh, what the, you mean. The, the second part of this um, is their choice of encryption. Um, and they it, were using. Is it Mickey Mouse? Uh, no, it's not. So it's Fisher it's, Price. It's completely valid encryption, um, but it's in what they call a cipher block mode. And there's a nice picture of a Linux penguin um, where they encrypted it with a with the same kind of cipher, and you can still because it's an image and the way the ciphers work and the way they're blocks, you can still make out like the general shape and that it's still a penguin. Uh, ECB versus CBC, love, love, I love it. Yeah, so it is, and they they made this big headline about not how they uh, nautically, it all passed. Uh, it was all just cyber. It was all just yes, cyber it, nerd stuff. I can't like, believe it, I opened the door to this. Yeah, some, it's your fault. <laughs> they used a quicker encryption scheme with less overheads. It's still valid encryption. They could be using a much better one, but that would add server processing. And then this brings us into the CIA stuff, uh, not the agency, but. Um, the stuff Max was talking about. So availability would decrease if you start to increase the the amount of uh, CPU power. Yeah, sorry, Max, you weren't you weren't. Um, I, I guess I didn't ask the question at the time because I knew what you were talking about. But perhaps you could um, explicitly describe what you mean by CIA, not the intelligence agency. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Confidentiality, integrity, and availability, and the kind of juxtaposition of each one of them, and how uh, if you want full availability, you cannot have full uh, available uh, full confidentiality and integrity. Uh, and there are attacks against each one, like uh, a DDoS would be attack against availability. And so it's it's about it's a way of talking about information security that you can understand how data is is kind of secured. 
and of course the the way that you described it in the previous example is you're always having to you're always having to trade off one of those three things because you can never have them all at the same exactly. time exactly exactly so we we all wanted availability uh w- one day from home for everyone therefore mm. we've got to trade off the fact that all the tools we're using like house party or zoom or whatever is maybe less confidential but we didn't care at the time because we wanted availability and our jobs to keep working the day after um something terrible happens to the world just out of interest um i'm assuming that all of the headlines that were about how zoom encryption works were all to do with china most of them were yeah. about the fact that it was in china rather than the encryption but there were a couple of people talking about the encryption type do you think maybe Zoom's poor encryption has caused the coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get wow. over there. Let's get I, over there and burn those headquarters down. I bet. I bet you could find a conspiracy theory online right I now. Mean, now is the time. We're all going to put on our tinfoil hats. Imagine if you got if, yours with if, you. Yeah. If Zoom was running over a five G network, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Just, just to bring this back, because there's actually a really interesting tie in there to something that Chris said earlier. Um, so Zoom have fixed this. Uh, so you can you can opt out of specific countries, but only if you've got a paid account. Oh, come on. They're oh, at it again. Wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt and wanted to imagine that all of this Zoom hunting was all just media hype. But it seems to be like they are a little bit on the sort of revenue bandwagon, aren't they? It's a lot of smoke, but there is a fire here as well. Here's an interesting, right, an interesting, just an interesting com- uh, comparison. WhatsApp, which does video calling and does audio calling and does a little bit of group. It's not as good as Zoom, I suppose, but does have proper end-to-end encryption. Yeah. Which the government wants to take away from it. Yeah, that's right. I remember there was a big story about that. All those those (laughs) terrorists. Although, can you not talk, can neither of you talk about that? (laughs) Can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, For all the privacy advocates, I am joking. I've been leaving it. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, Um, it's, it's, it's a fair point that you, there's not an excuse that we want this faster. We have really good encryption algorithms that are fast that work for video calling. So it just go, oh, well, yeah, it's, uh, we wanted to use a less secure. It's just not an excuse. It's either shoddy, uh, you know, it's either done deliberately or it's just shoddy coding. You know? Probably be. That's, that's, In fairness, Max, probably be. Max. Anybody, if you want to send the hate mail, it's Max. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's get something. Uh, I was going to say more lighthearted. It's not that lighthearted in the con- <laughs> in the context of standing in my garden shed talking to you three. Um, uh, but the, three um, weeks. <laughs> oh, and now we've just They're learned just it's for an extra three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks. Um, uh, but I wanted to talk about what are the scummiest COVID nineteen scams <laughs> we have seen out there. Uh, I think my personal favorite is probably the testing kits that aren't real. But Paul, I was talking to Paul last week and he was like, seriously, if I got an email for a testing kit, I would buy one. Did anyone see the news this morning? Nothing to do with cyber, but uh, the cocaine smuggled in, in face masks this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, well, that would explain one of the other scams, which was face masks for a bargain $399. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose your argument, Bobby, how many 
three grams is $399. <laughs> you can fit in a face mask. Free Coke with a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the fl- shift would fly by, wouldn't it? Um, there's, been, uh, there's been a suggestion that um, that fishing fishing generally like fishing emails are up something like 600 percent um and then all these um figures are sort of very they're quite again it's the class the, the media being alarmist again in my view um because you know fish is going to fish like that's what happens um i think the reason that we're seeing a rise is because there is a maybe for the first time in 70 odd years there is a unifying world event that everyone is affected by and so of course naturally if you're going to do a fishing campaign you're probably going to do it about that so i don't think it's all that surprising um i think what's interesting is some of the tactics like there's one of them that i think stoops particularly low with a subject line that suggests you've been affect, um, infected like the email says oh you've been in contact with somebody who has been diagnosed with coronavirus Ooh, you should download and print this malware laden excel file um and take it to your uh, doctor or whatever and of course it's yes full of um full of exploits but it's pretty some of it's pretty grotty it is and they target the human weakness and the attackers this is nothing new for COVID 19 the attackers have always done this they've always picked whatever's trending in the news or in the world at the time and they create their themes around it and arguably it's the same malware it's the same attacks it's just a different theme load over the top and because we're seeing like I said this is global, so it's that you can use that one theme everywhere. Uh, and with more people working at home, digital communications have shot through the roof, which means more people are going to be exposed to emails, uh, more people are going to see them, and therefore more people are going to report them um, as well. And Paul's going to very well. Paul has a look on his <laughs> face. Like he wants, you know why I've got excited. He wants it. He oh, wants it's, the, oh, it's his moment. It's oh, my it's time. It's my oh, moment. Second. Where's your button? I didn't have a button. My lost oh. my button. And now we just have to pause while I play the jingle. And now a word from our sponsors. You, we have a lab on this. It's very exciting <laughs> and it's real. And you can go and actually get hands on with some of the latest uh, email scams. And you can get, use those to, to just like, see what they're like, but also get your workforce looking at them, seeing, understanding the kind of things that the attackers are exploiting, rather than having to uh, wait for for that scam to land in your inbox. Is it one of these? Um, is it one of these spot the fish ones where you like choose between two, or is it just a, a view of one? Just one, and whether it's yeah. whether it's just dodgy one, or and then you say, is it dodgy or is it not dodgy? Mm. Yeah, uh, it, okay. we take it a little bit further than that. So we give you a real. These are all real examples. So it's yeah. not stuff that we've simulated. They're real world examples, and you select whether it's whether you think it's real or not, and then we tell you all the reasons how you can spot whether it was real or not. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, also interesting that um, I was looking at some checkpoint research last week that was saying that um, registration of uh domain names related to coronavirus and covid19 <laughs> was up like i don't know however many million percent but hundreds oh. and hundreds and hundreds of domains being registered uh, and half of them half of them are serving up malware i expect the other half are scams of some kind um but half of those domains are serving up malware so yeah some of them are really really convincing as well so like when we were going through the emails we were analyzing some of this and looking for some of the trends and if I didn't know, if I wasn't paying attention, like it would be really easy to get tricked by some of those things. I think it's I one think of them that seven testing kits in your house. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think it there's is, one I... of them that replicates though the the official map. 
you know the john hopkins university map it replicates that that map so it, it launches a site with that map in it um but of course in the background it's dropping all this malware onto your machine there's one that clones the entire white house website uh, and pretends to be like general genuine official like they've got white house headed paper and like in the the word document that like some of them are like yeah. very this, convincing i mean this crisis it's it's like a perfect storm of perfect thing for the fishers isn't it really it's it's something really emotive so people are dying uh everyone has to be at home everyone can't see each other so has to communicate electronically it's, it's literally the perfect thing for fishers to get their 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 teeth into because it's really emotive they can they can make sure they they get into that inbox some way and and then you know they know so many more people including your grandma uh, is communicating um electronically as well and they're always the people who are going to get um hit by this more than anyone else as well so it's, it's it is the kind of perfect storm for that they just announced that they're going to launch also um and i think that this is the us and and the uk um they're going to launch these uh, contact tracing apps so basically using your phone to determine where you've been and then let you know whether you know you're you you've likely been in contact with somebody this to me seems like the most <laughs> obvious way of fishing people i've ever heard i just tell you i just send you a, an email that says oh congratulations you can now get access to this uh to this app um and uh, and off you go right it seems kind of obvious so ignoring the the kind of fishing side of that i've actually seen the spec uh, and this is being released by both google and apple working in partnership together which is that itself is i think it's amazing it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's genuinely amazing but uh this app which is uh, able to tell you whether you've been somebody uh, been near somebody who's infected they've put like privacy right at the, the forefront of that um the whole thing is designed to be like completely anonymous it's all completely opt-in and you could be running the app and then choose to opt in at any point in the future it's uh, i think it's, it's really clever really, it's really really clever it's I, um, I, you know what i think is really interesting about it is that apple who's made privacy like it's it's specific i mean apple, apple products you know have their fans for lots of other reasons but the privacy at the heart of all apple products is such a key thing for them to put it's at risk for this case it shows uh, great leadership by apple and to partner you know and google of course but google you'd have expected google to do it because of course it's part of their tech stack but for apple to associate and to do it i mean i hope uh, i mean looking forward to the results really it's exactly what big tech should be doing right now. Mm. Um, they've got the money, they've got the resource, they've got mm. the reach. They should absolutely, and it's such a nice thing to see that that they are working together to make this and putting privacy right at the forefront of that. Like you they said, they got all that data. They could be using it not just to advertise stuff to us, but to make us safer, yeah. couldn't they? You would think. Well, I, I remember the um, when I used to teach this, where Google had Google flu maps and google would track when people would google symptoms of flu and every year they brought out um like i think they were two weeks ahead of the cdc they did some studies on it and uh people googling flu uh epi- you know symptoms would show up and i think they found that the mexico epidemic flu in mexico a few years ago uh, they identified uh way before they actually thought they had a problem using those flu maps so i think there's you know there's really good open source stuff that you can do as long as it's done with privacy in in the right way as well we can definitely i think we're definitely going to see the power i mean we're already seeing the power of 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 available data you know across this whole during this whole crisis but i think that something like this like putting that 
um, putting something that is going to be of use to the wider world in the in the palm of everyone, I think is yeah potentially transformative. Um, they were saying today that they would need they thought they would need at least eighty percent of the population to be prepared to use those um, use those uh, tracking uh, apps in order for, for it to be able to work. So you'd hope with all those privacy holes filled um that you know maybe it would maybe it would be at least be able to help we're headed towards wrapping up guys but i want to just uh finish with uh just understanding what we think actually some of the most tangible and pressing risks around remote working really are i know that we've obviously joked we japed about uh zoom and stuff like that um but i think it would be good to just uh, perhaps get from each of you what do you think is the one thing that remote workers you know could be uh could be doing to help keep themselves uh secure as tips that our listeners could perhaps pass on uh max i think that i mean the, it's the boring uh password thing isn't it the the a lot of the zoom calls that have been hacked is because they they use same passwords on multiple accounts um passwords and two-factor you know now we've all got our phones with us most of the time because we're at home um uh, you know there's no reason why you don't have two-factor and uh, good passwords on things so that's and use password of... managers because they're good yes yeah exactly that's, cool. that's my one I'm going to say keep it simple. So you've got uh, hundreds of different tools that you could be using for video conferencing, and like don't don't let your organisations use every single one. Frankly, use the one that's embedded. If you're an Office 365 user, use Teams. If you're like a Google one, use Meet. Are they, yeah. uh, there's any small number of use cases I personally believe where you should be using something like Zoom or other Cisco WebEx is as if you're uh, if you've heavily invested in that and every single person in your organization is using it like don't have every single app and every single dialer on you and every single plugin into Chrome it just increases your security um, attack surface and it means that you've got 10, 10 different products to patch all the time and finally Kev I'm going to be greedy and take two uh, so <laughs> first <laughs> privacy like Check your settings. Make sure that if you don't want your camera, it's not on. Uh, if you need a password, put a password on. And secondly, update. The, these things are being raised. They are releasing patches. So when you see that little bubble in the corner that says there's an update available, like click yes, not tomorrow. <laughs> That's a great way to end. Um, this has been super weird doing this remotely but i guess we will just get used to it um that's all from us this week if you've enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe rate and comment wherever you get your audio content and if you want to know more about immersive labs you can find us at immersivelabs.com or follow us on twitter at immersive labs uk until next time remotely from all of us goodbye <laughs>